This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Friday, it's the 1st of December 2023. Coming up today, Apple's new campaign for Christmas, and we talk blind audio describing. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you today? Jingle bells, jingle bells, Stephen Scott. I am absolutely freezing. Two t-shirts and two hoodies I'm wearing in this shed today. Yeah, what's going on in this country? The temperature has, I believe the word is plummeted. Plummeted, nice word. Well used, sir. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it is cold. It is December. It is officially winter. Well, I don't know if it's officially winter. I've just decided it's officially winter. There, I said it. Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> Stephen names a season. Breaking news. Uh, I, you know what? i got to say, I took the dog out yesterday morning and it felt very Christmassy. There was a yeah. lot of people out. This was early on, half past seven in the morning, and everyone was, morning, morning. I everyone felt- lost their keys. Ah, it was beautiful. Everyone was scraping their windscreens of their cars. It was lovely. That's right. It's like summertime. People are outside because they're having barbecues and they're having nice times. Oh, morning! And then winter is scraping cars. Good morning. No, it's no, just a no. slightly it, different, but you know, equally nice. kind of pleasant. Yeah, it yeah. was very crisp and Christmassy feeling. It's when it's raining, everyone's miserable as sin. Yeah, exactly. That's right. But no, it is nice. I will say one thing about climate change. It has uh, certainly improved the weather in oh, Scotland. Uh, I will dear. say that. Oh, Less rain. Please, let's let's quickly, quickly I, move on. I'm not on. saying I'm pro-climate change. I'm please, just saying just it has talking. made a difference. Hello, listeners. This is Double Tap. We'll have King Charles on the phone in a minute, so just behave yourself. <laughs> King Charles was saying, I'm not having this. God bless the king. Hello, Mr. F. They did a fantastic speech at COP20. Uh, Three, four. Eight. I don't know. Whatever the latest one is, I, I, you know, I'm saving them up for the box set. I just, I, 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 I I'm not watching episode as as we go. I'll just binge it at some point. We spoil our credentials there by yeah, just, just not, knowing the, <laughs> not knowing the name. It's like, oh yeah, I watched the news this morning. I had no idea what was going on, but King Charles was talking about the weather, so you know, it seemed fair enough. Um, <clears throat> so yes, hello, welcome to the show. Uh, coming up today, we're going to be hearing from Fern Lullum. She is an audio describer. I love that name, Lullum. Lullum. I was just going to say that. It's a nice that is name. The best name. And Fern, the the entirety of the name. It's just comforting. One of my favourite cakes is a Fern cake. No, I've never heard of that. Are you sure you that's not made up? Cake? No. You've never heard of... What? No, keep asking me and the, the answer may yeah, change. Okay. No, I was, I've I was never heard. Asking the question. Is that made out of trees or what? That's weird. No, it's, that it's, must it's, be a Scottish it's, thing. It's a baked good uh, with a, a, an icing on top <laughs> yes. and it's got a tree drawn in, I guess, marzipan or something, on the top of it. Okay, so it's a cake with a picture on the top. Does it's that it's actually... a cake with a picture of a tree <laughs> on it. Is it not just a cupcake, Stephen? Yeah, with it's a, a cupcake a tree with a picture of a tree, as we call it, a fern cake. That's not a thing. It is. Okay, Google feedback it. at doubletapfair.com. <laughs> is that a thing? Thanks, listeners. Uh, so anyway, fern, fern Lullum, not a cake. Uh, she is uh, going to be here today. <laughs> Today on the show, I interview a cake. Uh, No, no. Fern Lullum is an audio describer. She's blind herself. And she is, if you've been watching All the Light We Cannot See uh, on Netflix, as I have. I haven't finished it yet, though. I'm not a binger. Really? 
It's How only much four episodes. I know, but we, we we managed to get through the first three, mm. and then the fourth one has just eluded us so far, so we just haven't got there yet. I can't do that. I've got to watch the whole thing one after the other. I've yeah, got to clear you, the afternoon and evening. you got to understand, though, if you're watching this with your partner, it's one thing for yourself, right? Because I could do that. I could easily mm. watch mm. four in a row, and that's no problem. Uh, but yes. when my wife's Partners involved, I've got, to, back. I've, got to, yeah, yeah, but I've got to get the schedule in. You know, We've got to get the calendar out. We've got to sit down and work it all out together. Does your yeah. partner as well, does she... Um... Oh, she's my wife, actually. Yeah. Oh, Not sorry. in your case, because I <laughs> am married to the love of my I, life. I, I, you, I, I, on the other hand, yeah, still a work in progress. 30 years! It's just a long engagement. You never know. You've uh-huh. got to be sure. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, yeah. See, Sarah will say, you can't watch the next episode until we watch it together. Because it's exactly. got yeah. to be one of those, you know, together moments. It's got to be lovely. Um but it's not, because basically she's forbidding me and she's taking control. I don't like it, so I watch it secretly. <laughs> what, and then watch it again and go, ooh, ah, who ooh. knew? <laughs> <laughs> I actually do this thing where I will pre-watch a show. Oh. So if I think my wife will like it, I'll, I'll pre-watch the first one. And then if I think, do you know what? She'll love this. I'll watch it again with her. Oh, I'm not sure, Stephen, if that's allowed. Well, I think that's, that's a little safer bit like, ground than, than yeah. watching the last one on my own. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> I haven't watched this one yet. I've heard great, amazing things about the light we cannot see. Sarah watched it and absolutely loved it. But she did say, I don't think it's for you because... No, I don't think you'd I like it. I don't like things that get too emotional. I don't want to be upset when watching something. I want to watch Daffy Duck and... and uh, Bugs Bunny. I don't want to cry what? over anything, and I will cry over anything. If you want me to tell people what you really watch on Facebook Watch, then I think we'll, we can easily get into that topic if you want, but you know, I think you'd probably rather we didn't. And it ain't Daffy Duck, I'll tell you that. Um, but here's the thing. Um, this is obviously another audio-described series by Netflix, and the company behind it is International Digital Centre. And the thing about these guys... We've had them on the show before, and uh, for those who haven't heard the interview or didn't know anything about IDC, you can go to the website, doubletaponair.com, where you will find a full story about the uh, inside workings of IDC, an interview with Eric Wickstrom and Liz Gutman, who are in charge of the business, and also the people, and Liz in particular, who is the head writer on uh, a lot of these programs. And she writes the audio-described tracks. But the the difference between IDC, I think, and pretty much every other description company out there that does this, and it really does stand out, is because they actually employ blind people to do the reading. I think that's incredible. I know it sounds like, well, why wouldn't we be able to do it? Of course. But here's a company that's actively going out there and seeking out voices to represent the community through the audio description. Now, you, you wouldn't even really know. Would you? No, I mean, you wouldn't no, know if no. the person reading was blind or not. But weirdly, we do because a lot of us, and I hate saying this because I know it's a bit of a stereotype, and uh-huh. I am, and I hate when people say it to me. But then, as soon as they say it, I kind of go, "Yeah, I suppose there's probably some truth to it." And that is, we tend to know people in the community. You know, you hear a, you hear a <laughs> yes, name and you go, because yes. people say, oh, you, you can't know everybody. You know, we don't we don't know everyone in the blind community. They're blind. Do you know them? Of course. Oh, actually, yeah. Actually, I maybe I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's the weird thing. We kind of do know it's each other. It's a small other. blind world. But like, yeah. th- there's a reason that IDC really stands out, right? And and, and they do. I've, I, you, know, I, you don't like to single out one company over another. There's some great uh, audio description companies out there. But 
I personally think IDC really do amazing work. And, I, you know, what is the reason behind that? It's not simply, you know, turning up and reading a script. There's more that goes into it. And I think that is part of the reason. We're involved. So Fern's here today to talk about that, but she's also going to talk about this, the show as well, her thoughts on it. She's been enjoying it. And um, I also ask her the question about, you know, do you ever sit down and watch a show and then you turn it on and you go, oh, hang on, I'm the AD voice. Oh, God. Because, uh, you know, that's oh, yeah. got to be a thing, right? I mean, it's like seeing yourself on the telly or, you know, see, hearing yourself in an advert or something, you know, you, does it change it for you? So, well, yeah, no one likes that. hearing themselves, their own voice recorded. I hate <clears> it. <throat> well, Everyone, some of us are okay. Well, that's just exactly what I was going to ask. Because, you know, let's be honest, Stephen, you have got the radio voice. Thank you. Right? And if you've got a nice voice like you have, Stephen Scott, happy Christmas, like you have, yeah. do you still cringe when you listen back to yourself? Or do you say, no, actually, that sounds all right? I think wow, I've, I've t- thrown you under the bus on I this t- one. Honestly, I know this is going to sound really weird, but I actually don't bother anymore. I think it's because I hear so much of myself that I've just become so tuned to it. I don't really... Uh, no, I actually, you're right. You're but right. I will say this. True. I'm more critical of myself in editing. So when we do interviews and we record them in advance, and there's one actually coming up tomorrow, which we're going to talk about a bit later, um, the interview coming up tomorrow, which I, I edited a lot of myself down because I realised when, and maybe this is... Maybe this is a bad thing to admit, but I really don't shut up a lot, do I? That is I kind of your job. Lot. It is kind of my job, but, you know, it's also nice for other people to talk as well. You're so the I think, host. I'm, I think my New Year's resolution this year is to say less. Okay. Let's see how long that lasts. Uh, Everyone yeah, okay. make note of that. <laughs> no, you're right, though. If, if you are doing... <laughs> he agrees. He's fine with He's it. He's been saying that for years. Yeah. <laughs> when you do edit your own stuff, you do tend to cut down on your own vocals rather than the other ones because you're, yeah, you're more self-critical. Yeah, it's true. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to talk to Fern a bit later about that. Cool. Very interesting. Uh, mentioning this interview, so tomorrow it's a bit of a different feel to Double Tap tomorrow because we're kind of shaking off the the, the textual vibes a little bit more than we would normally. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be joined by Matthew Alcock. He is a guy who is known online as the wobbly gamer. He has nystagmus, which causes movement, involuntary movement of the eye. And oh, that makes sense now. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh. You've got it. I have got it, but I can't see it anymore. So I haven't got it. I, I don't see the. Yeah, that's another conversation, <laughs> the, actually. But anyway, yeah, and we'll come back to that another day because I'll get drifted. I'll get dragged off onto something Let's else. Talk. Uh, yeah, exactly. Shut up, Stephen. That's why I'm telling myself in my head every day. Um, but yeah, anyway, Matthew's joining us to talk about a tweet that he sent and how the tweet he sent kind of caused a few shockwaves and uh, did not go down well within the community that he thought it that may support him on this view. The view being that people who have low vision and who play games, for example, or are content creators, maybe shouldn't publicly call themselves blind if oh. they are, you know, talking about, say, a game they're playing and that game maybe isn't playable by someone with no vision at all does it misrepresent the community at large does it actually harm the community at large if people suddenly think that you know i can play a game that someone else with more vision than me can play and i can't play does them calling themselves blind on 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 social media have an impact and to be very clear matthew was not suggesting that people should not identify as blind that was not his argument he was talking specifically about gamers and content creators, people who are in the public eye, essentially, 
you know, should we be a bit more careful with our description of ourselves? Because it could have an impact on how others see those of us who have less vision, who are totally blind, etc. And the capabilities, you know, it's like, oh, well, that used, everyone said that you could play that game because the blind guy could play it on social media. Yes. It's, and it's then suddenly it becomes this, you know, oh, well, you know, and, and then you're having to tell people, well, I can't play it. And they go, well, that's on you. Well, if it's on high contrast and on a 42-inch monitor's TV, yeah. then I can't. It, it, it gives a definition or a class of the accessibility of a game that may not be reliable or accurate. Um, that's the thing. It's a really interesting conversation, and it sort of aligns itself to the conversation we've had about blindness recently, but just a different aspect of it. I, I thought he was uh, he was really good. Yeah, and we weren't intending it to spawn the whole hour, but what happened was we had we began the conversation. It was really interesting, and then uh, Matthew talked a lot about his own life and his own experiences, and it got quite deep and meaningful. And to be perfectly honest, it was a fascinating conversation. Yeah. Really interesting story Matthew has. So we've put it together as as an hour special, so it's going to go out tomorrow, and uh, I'll be really intrigued to hear your thoughts. But for those of you who long for more conversation from us about, you know, living with blindness, living with our experiences, the challenge of the community itself and the wider public, I think you're going to enjoy that conversation, actually. So check it out on the pod and on AMI-audio, of course, 12 noon Eastern and all the usual points through the day and through the weekend as well. And uh, we will uh, look forward to your comments. I expect many. Sorry. Did you just say pod? I did say pod. Yeah, I've got all um, hippie. Yeah, well, I hear people say this now. They say on the pod. Really? Yeah. Is it too long to say podcast? Is it? Yes, it's too long. Big long word. Sorry. Don't like it. And I'm trying to speak less. I'm trying to cut back on my speech. So I'm going to to half all my words in two (laughs) so that it makes it easier. Check it out on the P and uh, enjoy. Thank you, Shaw. So um, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, let's yes. hear from a good friend of the show, Lena, who's got in touch with something to tell us. Hey, Double Tappers. It isn't too late to register for the 2023 Site Tech Global Conference. It's virtual. Anyone with time and an internet connection is invited. And it's my favorite price. Free. Yay! For those <laughs> who register, there is also opportunities to practice with a screen reader on December 5th. There are many presenters who will be familiar to double tappers like Be My Eyes and APH, but there are some less familiar presenters like the folks from Glidance and Stuart Russell will be talking about AI. That's a presentation that I'm very excited about. He has written a book along with a co-author whose name I don't remember. He's a professor at UC Berkeley. He's won many awards and he's, he's an interesting person and it will be fun to see what his thinking is this year. To register, go to the site tech global.com site and if you add after the dot com slash conference hyphen registration slash you will go directly to the page you'll also find a list of the main stage presentations and then the events 
where you have an opportunity to interact with the presenters. It starts both days at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And this is a tech show, not a math show. So you'll have to ask your A lady <laughs> to convert the time for you because I can't do it. It's a relaxed, interesting event. Thank you so much, Lena, for telling us about it. Oh, well I love done. our audience. She is I love great, Lena. Thank you, guys. you so much. Yeah, just amazing. Uh, so, yeah, check it out. We'll uh, be following that and uh, hopefully speaking to uh, one of the organizers as well uh, because it'll be interesting to uh, to find out more about the conference. But also uh, that professor that you're talking about, Lena, definitely check out that talk. Yep. I wasn't actually sure. I wasn't sure of the date. So it's the 6th and the 7th of December. Uh, that's and almost a dry happening. run on the 5th for Screen Reader users. Isn't that great? That is a really good idea, especially if you're not used to whatever platform they're using. If you haven't used it before and you're a bit nervous about it, what yeah, excellent and, and, idea. And I think what's important there is because of the because you're getting the opportunity to connect with people, you, you want to have a chance of you know making sure you make a good impression, right? So that gives you that chance. I think, I think a lot of organizations and, and events could, could learn from that. That's a great idea. How many times you join a meeting and you think, Right, am I muted? Can they hear my screen reader? I'm like, uh, where's the mute button? It's yeah, it's nerve wracking sometimes. That's really good. No matter how many times I join a Zoom meeting, and I'm sure it's a setting somewhere I could probably go and change, but every time I join, my camera's off, and I, and I always turn my camera back on, and then as soon as I go back into the meeting, it's off again. Just keeps joining with the camera off. There must be a way of changing that, but there I think definitely is. Yeah, come on, you know, I mean, this is just you know. it's is that not what it's for? But well, I suppose some people might not want that. They might want to have the choice, and I guess not all of us are default. beautiful, beautiful people like yourself, Stephen. And depends we don't what like... hour of the day you get me. <laughs> Thursdays are on twelve noon Eastern. I'm usually looking my best. <laughs> it's funny that. Uh, now I want to mention as well um, a, a new campaign that's out for uh, Christmas. I guess for the holidays from Apple. This is focusing on the uh, fantastic new speech accessibility features in iOS 17, iPadOS 17, macOS Sonoma, and other products. Personal voice and live speech. Now, these are two separate features, but they work together, and they are so clever uh, And how they work together and how they can enable someone who has, for example, ALS, or as we call it here in the UK, MND, you know, someone who may be losing their voice. And it's not, this won't be exclusive to people with those conditions, but... For those particular groups of people, uh, this can really uh, this can change everything because it allows you to keep your voice. Now, that's of course assuming that your voice is it hasn't been damaged, uh, you know, as a result of the condition at this stage. If, however, you're in a early stage and you still have your voice, it's a good time to do this to use personal voice to record and store digitally your voice, and then you can use live speech to enable that. So basically, whatever you type in on the phone, it, in that feature, it will be read back and spoken in your voice. And they put together a little video to uh, to showcase this. And I say a little video, I mean, it's a, it's a, a proper big, it's a huge production it's, film. Apparently it's beautifully filmed. Beautifully done. And yeah. of course, audio described, as you would expect. So let's have a listen to that version right now. Titles, The Lost Voice. In the thicket of a forest, a little girl stands. A large medallion rests on her collared shirt. She lifts the medallion and opens it to a compass. Now, a large pink and white furry creature wearing a green leafy shirt approaches. Why, oh white creature, are you so quiet? 
You've lost your voice. The furry creature nods. I'll help you find it. He stares through his red glasses. They look at her compass. Let's go. Let's look over here. Maybe your voice is under the smoke. No voice there. Just the stroke. Now they search on separate hillsides. The furry creature lifts his empty hands. Could it be up in that tree? Not in my tree. Nothing to see. An owl sits on a branch and turns its head left and right. The girl and creature walk through the forest, then follow footprints on a sandy dune. Can it be found atop the mound? Or is it deep down underground? The pair look down. Beneath the soil, a turnip smiles and shakes its head. Have you checked in the boat? What did it fall back down your throat? Open your mouth. Open wide. Why, I can't see your voice inside. Now on the shore, the girl holds a telescope. She looks into the creature's mouth. On a log beside a fire, the pair sit dejected. It seems you have so much to say. The girl scoots closer to the creature. He gently cradles her under his arm. Now in a bedroom, the lost voice storybook lies open beside a nearly sleeping girl. I'm sure we'll find another way. Okay. Her dad, sitting in a wheelchair, wears a green leafy shirt. One more time. He types on his iPhone. Titles. Personal voice recreates your own voice on iPhone, so it's never lost. The Apple logo. I think that's beautiful. God, that's kind of emotional, that, right? Oh, it is, isn't it? But that's really good. And again, it, it's highlighting a, a real person, a real-life use of that. That was, um, is it Professor Tristram Ingram? Yeah, who uses that um, uh, that feature, and uh, I mean, it's just oh, it's so nice. And that's him. That's him, a doctor, a doctor, uh, Tristan, and he is the guy in the the film. He, that's the voice you hear, um, and he is using personal voice in his life, and it is just incredible. And you know, it's such a poignant moment. You're reading a story to your child, and that's something that I guess every father wants to do, especially when the kids are that young age. Yeah. And to be able to do that, you know, I remember the time I, re- I remember someone getting very emotional talking about doing this with Braille, you know, the ability to read. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, Braille to their children and, and read storybooks alongside their, you know, their kids would be maybe reading a book so they could get, you know, read and learn to read. Follow along. Uh, yes. Follow along. That's right. And they were able to do that with them and read the book with them. And it's just it's such and a powerful thing. That's the point of this. So the live speech feature is a standalone feature in itself, mm. where basically you get a keyboard and it speaks whatever you type. And the, the voice it's read aloud, you can choose from, as we're used to using screen readers, you know, you can pick your standard voices. Yeah. And you can use that inside phone calls, FaceTime calls and things like that. Um, so that's standalone. And the personalized voice, just as the name suggests, means that you can clone your own voice as it is now and personalize that because it's true if you lose your voice you kind of lose your identity as well your voice is you in in some senses so it just adds that extra level of being able to connect to people it's so cool yeah i've got to say thank you for um thank you to apple for putting that together and also thank you for curing my dry eye problem this morning uh <laughs> Stephen has a heart. <laughs> oh, it's just it's so it's incredible, and I love how this technology works. And and you know, it doesn't feel like inspiration porn in any way when they do no. this. No, it doesn't. And that's what I love about it. it. It's about enabling people. It's about making people 
able to do things for themselves. It's giving people independence and it's showing what people can do. And I think, you know, as we head into International Day of Persons with Disabilities, Apple have knocked it out of the park. And I think, you know, again, we mentioned this the other day about the work that companies do together. And I saw Christopher Patno had messaged about this on LinkedIn and he's a head of accessibility over there at Google. And he was saying Apple have knocked out the park. And I think, you know, that says a lot. You know yeah. about the community at large and how this how this looks. So, yeah, fantastic video, Apple. Well done, and uh, well done. thank you for what you do. It's incredible work. It really is. You know, we all get annoyed about you know one thing or another, and rightly so. But you know, praise where praise is due for certain. And uh, you know, this uh, to me is important because it highlights the, the work of these great teams that are in the background scurrying away, making all this stuff happen. Uh, right, look, stick around. I'm off to be uh, <coughs> uh, very serious. Uh, we've got Fern Lullum joining us next. She is here to talk all about all the light we cannot see and what it's like being a blind audio describer. Did we ever think we'd see the day we'd say that? This is Double Tap. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. Now, if you've been watching the Netflix series All the Light We Cannot See and You're Blind Like Me, you might have been watching with audio description and therefore you would have heard the voice of Fern Lullum. She is the audio describer who does the description for the show and she's blind herself. And that's what makes the work of the International Digital Centre that creates the audio tracks for these movie and TV companies even more special because they're employing blind and low vision people to do the work. Uh, to tell us more about all this is Fern Lillam, of course, regularly heard here on AMI of an afternoon uh, with Kelly and Ramia, and even on her own podcast from time to time. Uh, Fern is here with us today on Double Tap. It is great to have you back on the show with me. Yeah, great to be back. Can I just say congratulations to you and to you for the work that you're doing in this field? Because, I mean, aside anything else, audio description is incredible. And people, when they hear your voice will be saying, that's 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 the one that does all the light we cannot see. I've been watching that on Netflix and it's really good with the audio description. That's the voice. How did, how did you get into all this world? Oh, well, I had been doing audio bits and pieces forever um, because that's what I always wanted to do growing up. I, you know, I think I can't remember if I mentioned last time on the podcast, but I used to annoy all of my family by going around with various household objects and interviewing them at the, at the dinner table and everything. Um, <laughs> so I'd always wanted to do radio and um, and I started working. You know, I did a show with the RNIB called Long Time No See, which I'm still surprised we got away with that name to this day. <laughs> um, and uh, and did some work for, for um, a I, um, uh, you know, and did some podcasts for them and uh, done some work for the BBC and things. And then I heard that um, one of the people that I worked with on um, Kelly and Ramyar now, um, Ramyar had a, uh, a go at doing some audio description and I knew um, Kelly McDonald did as well. And I immediately thought, wow, that's fun. You know, that's kind of like voice stuff. But it's also something that I had started to use at that point. For a long time, I hadn't used audio description. And when I started to use it, I realised how much of a difference it made to me. Um, because I, I don't think I ever quite appreciated it until I'd heard it, how much I was missing by not 
being able to see the screen. You know, I just thought, well, I can hear it. So what's wrong with me? You know, Um, and when I as soon as I Mm. started using audio description, it kind of opened up this whole new world. And so when I heard that as a blind person, you could voice audio description, I was very interested in that. Um, And so I kind of talked to Kelly and Ramya and said, you know, how did you get involved in this? And they um, gave me uh, the details of Eric Wickstrom, who's at um, IDC, International Digital Centre. And um, and it kind of went from there. And we started having conversations and Eric was saying he was really keen to get uh, more people involved who had um, visual impairments. And so I started off quite small. I did um, uh, a voice for a film festival, which was fun because I was doing the subtitles. So I, I got to sort of play the part of one of the ladies in the film um, for this film festival that they were working on. Um, and then from there, um, I did a, a true crime documentary with them, which was right up my street because I, you know, I enjoy a little bit of uh, <laughs> Netflix true crime. Um, and then... Oh, God, who, who doesn't love true crime, right? Oh, I mean, well, everyone's into true crime these I days. I mean, it, it's intriguing, isn't it? It's just like psychologically baffling all these things and finding out why people do what they do and all of that sort of stuff. Love all that. Um, and, and so then from there, I started doing audio description, you know, it just sort of became a thing. This is what I do now. And I, you know, I started doing, I did Emmerdale, which was a big highlight in my career. It's a massive soap for those who don't know in England, one of the leading soaps. And so I got to do all sorts of stories about people snogging each other and, you know, running off with people's wives and all that sort of stuff, um, which is great fun. Um, and then so from there, you know, obviously IDC knew about me and knew that I'd got quite a lot of experience um, by now in audio description and obviously kind of thought my voice would suit this this you know series, All the Light We Cannot See. And they reached out to me. It must have been about a year ago um, today or, you know, sort of like October time last year. Um, and I could tell straight away when I was obviously only talking to them over sort of video call, but their excitement and enthusiasm for this series and all that it kind of encompassed. Um, they told me it was going to have a blind leading actress um, and it was going to be very much focused around sort of um, the experience of, of a blind young woman and this amazing story. Obviously, if anyone's read the book, they will know it's, you know, really incredible story. And so straight away, I felt that contagious, infectious passion for this particular project and knew that it was definitely something that I needed to get involved with. So, um, so yeah. And then, so I agreed and sort of cleared my diary and did that. And then it was the next year must, we must've started in sort of spring, um, recording the audio description and it went from there. And then obviously it came out in November and it was, yeah, it's just an amazing experience to work on. So glad and excited that they sort of trusted me with that responsibility of voicing something that was so important to the blind community. I, I want to pick up on the the story itself of all the light we cannot see, mm-hmm. because of course it is an interesting uh, position for us, isn't it? Because we talk about audio description and we love audio description and we could talk about that all day, but here's a story that actually features a blind character and actually an actor who is blind yes. playing the part. So you know, it's like everything has come together at once on this. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of, I guess, brings this story to the fore a bit more than perhaps other shows that we do, um, you know, other shows that you might do in, in the audio description world, because, of course, that's important. Of course, it's essential. This one stands out a little bit because of its content as well. Tell me about the story from your perspective, because you say you read the book. I didn't read the book. Mm. And a lot of people who tell me they have read the book uh, I get very interesting and mixed views on it. Some people say that she was less of a, a victim on screen as she was, was in the book. Right. Do, you, do you believe that to be true? Um, 
I, I mean, they did. They certainly did make some changes um, to the series and the book. And obviously, sometimes in a way that's kind of necessary. And you, you have to do that because some things just don't translate quite as well to on screen. Um, but I, I, I suppose perhaps she was a little bit less of a victim. Um, and basically, for those who don't know, the, the basic premise of the story, I don't want to give too much mm. away because obviously you need, you need to watch the series. You need to read the book. Um, but it, is, it all revolves around um, a young blind girl called Mary Law and, um, and her journey sort of growing up. She's got um, a father who, who's a sighted, sighted father and he looks after her and kind of shows her the world. And one of the things that I love about this story is their relationship, because right at the start of the the series, you see their relationship and how he builds her this model of um, the city that they're in so that she can find her way around, so she can feel this model and figure out where everything is, basically. And I love that because it's such a lovely representation of how you need to know when you've got a, a blind or visually impaired child, you need to know when to be there for them and to support them and how to help them. But you also need to know when to take a step back and say, OK, I've set you up for success and now I need to let you go off and do it, you know, and, and have that trust and that faith in them that they can that they can do it and they can be independent. And that, that was lovely to, to see that. And then... Um, Basically, it's so it's her story, and then in parallel to that is the story of Werner, who is this German soldier, and it's his job to find, track down people who are working for the resistance um, and are broadcasting on radio because he's very talented with technology and radio um, and to see who's transmitting these secret codes and these signals through through radio broadcasting. And so Mary Law is one of the people who is involved with that. So that is how their two worlds kind of collide. Um, and it go, kind of goes from there. And we see, you know, you can see straight away how the drama is going to unfold is, you know, are they going to capture Marie? What's going to happen to her? And then, you know, you follow the story from there. So it's it's all very exciting. Uh, you know, just as a viewer watching and, you know, enjoying the story, I, I thought she was such a great representation of blindness in so many ways. She was confident, but she wasn't arrogant. She was uh, deliberate. She was she she knew what she was doing. Um, she would ask questions when she needed to. You know, it felt it just felt like I, I was watching a real blind person. Yes. And she is. Yeah, and I think that is a mark, partly at least, of having so many blind people involved in the production because there was not only, obviously, the two blind leading actors, so it was um, Aria and then Nell, who played the younger version of Marie when she was a little girl, and then they also had a, a disability consultant who was a consultant director, so he had a big say in what, what went on, um, and he was blind as well, and then obviously I'm blind as the, as the audio describer, and so having so much input from people who are living the life of, you know, someone with a visual impairment, um, it, it really kind of, I think that shaped it because I know especially Aria, who played Marie, she really wanted it to be an authentic representation of what it is actually like to be blind rather than kind of a stereotype. Um, because it, 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 when, obviously, when you don't have that experience, there are just going to be little things and you may not even be doing it intentionally at all. But of course, you're just doing it based on what I imagine it must be like to be blind and, and things like that. And obviously that doesn't always translate to the reality. And so for an example, um, I know Ariel was saying that when people are talking to you, even if you're visually impaired or blind, most of the time you're looking at them. And quite often in films and series, things like that, 
we're portrayed as just sort of looking blankly at nothing, which, yes. you know, is not <laughs> is not usually the case. Um, no. And so it's just nice to see, you know, this is education about what blindness really looks like, as opposed to kind of some idea or playing on a stereotype or sort of saying, oh, well, we need to remind the audience that this is a blind person. So let's put things in that aren't actually realistic, but that kind of just, oh, don't forget this person's blind, you know, and that's really nice to have a more real representation because it's somebody who who is living the life of a blind person. Uh, let's get back to the audio description and what you do. So tell me how it works, because I'm trying to think how I would be able to read a script in the way that you do so well, so effortlessly um, to, to <laughs> deliver this. How does it actually work? How do you... Because because that's the question a lot of sighted people must have, right? Maybe some will ask, some will not ask. So I'm asking on their behalf... Mm. Because I'm blind and Please I can do. ask. <laughs> so yes, you um, can, you absolutely can. Anyone so how do you do it? Ask. <laughs> uh, so a lot of practice is the simple answer. <laughs> um, how I do it is that I have a, an app on my phone, essentially, that reads out the script to me. And as it reads it out, I am then repeating what it's reading. So I'm listening at the same time as I'm talking, you know, kind of like um, people mm-hmm. do on the news and whatnot. Um, you have to get very, and it, like I say, it is something that you have to practice, particularly the longer the sentence and the more descriptive words there are in there. It, it makes it harder, right? Because you've got to then remember all of these different things. And quite often, you know, sometimes at the start, you'll you'll miss a word or, you'll, you know, you've, you've really got to get the rhythm down. Um, you, you kind of have to play around with the speed of w- when you're listening to something, because, of course, you need it to be quick enough so that you can say it naturally following it but also not too quick that your brain's just like, what? (laughs) What did that? You know, you need to be able to listen to it and process it and then be able to repeat it. And so that really does sort of take a little while to get your mind around. And it's because I used to really struggle and try and do it using the very limited sight that I had. And my sight has deteriorated even more since then. But it's sort of like when I was in that position, it was more strain on my eyes. Now I would say it's more strain on my brain. So by the end of the day, I'm just going home and I'm absolutely exhausted. Um, but it's it, if you can do it, you know, it's it's really once you once you get into that rhythm and you find your flow and you find the way you can do it. And, and also, of course, you've got to try and make it sound natural and connect with what you're saying at the same time. So it definitely is something that you kind of have to perfect over time. But it is possible. You can do it. <laughs> I, I am nodding along all the way with that because, you know, doing the TV show, I'm in the same boat. I, you know, I, I did that thing at the beginning of it where I would try to use what remaining vision I had to its to its yes. fullest. And, you know, it just basically meant I was living on paracetamol because I just had to <laughs> constantly, you know, deal with these headaches as a result of it. So what's the app? Um, the app I have, I think it's just it's called Voice Reader. It's just really, really simple app. And it just okay. essentially, it just reads out um, each line and you can kind of do it line by line. So it's not like you have to keep, you know, you can just press play on a line and then read and it'll read it and then you can start on the next one. Amazing. That, that is, that's really useful. I think a lot of people would benefit from that, especially those of us, not me necessarily, but someone else who maybe does presentations or, you know, those kind of things. And they have to present lots of information. But like you say, it is that read and repeat approach is challenging. And, you know, you would need to, I, I'm guessing you probably read over that script two or three times first, and then it's the sort of fourth or fifth or whatever time, then you actually record it. 
Yeah, and and so every event they call them events in in audio descriptions. Um, so basically, every piece of audio description you do. I will listen to that through before I do it. So just to remind myself what's coming so I, I know kind of what's the end of the sentence because otherwise you're just sort of stabbing in the dark, essentially. Um, yeah. You know, halfway through the sentence, you're like, is it over yet? Is it, you know, because sometimes it sounds as if it's the end of the sentence. And so you make it the end of the sentence and then you go, oh, hang on, there's another there's another clause to this. So yeah, you you kind of do have to practice and know what, where you're going with it <laughs> before you start. I remember one of my favourite movies growing up was Mrs. Doubtfire, and Robin Williams at the beginning of that movie would be uh, narrating some kind of, or singing along with uh, a cartoon. Uh, that was his job, yes. right? So he was singing along with a cartoon, mm-hmm. and it made me think that was how all TV dubbing and narration was done. Uh, now, <laughs> maybe that may be true to some degree, I don't know, but with audio description, are you watching along with the movie, or are you actually, are you just recording your lines and sending them in? So I generally have a copy of the film, whatever it is um, that I'm working on, so that I can check on things. So I'm not... um it's not playing while I'm recording, you know, I'm not doing it over the top as it were, but I, you know, if there's a particular thing and I think, oh, how should I say that? Um, then I can always listen to the film to know the context of what's happening. But obviously where a sighted um, audio describer will be will be able to see what's happening and so can kind of match what they're saying literally to what they can see. I don't have that advantage because I can only hear it. But I think what the advantage that that gives me as a blind audio describer is that sometimes I pick up on things that don't necessarily make sense if all you've got is the audio and the audio description. If you can't, if you don't have that visual element, sometimes you go, hang on a minute, that didn't make any sense. Where... If you can see the screen, you might not even that might not occur to you because you can see it, so it makes sense to you. Does that make sense? <laughs> well, that yeah, and that leads me on to my next question about the 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 role you play in this because is it is you're not just a, a describer, you're not just a voiceover here, are you? You you can feed back and say, hang on, this doesn't make sense. So you have some input in that, right? Definitely, and that I think is one of the things that I really love about audio description is it's such a collaborative process and we're all working together as a team so I actually and I don't know how we've survived it but I work with my other half Josh um, who just so happens to be a sound engineer and the most patient person in production ever um, because he has to sit there listening to me you know doing all these lines getting them wrong having to do it again and um, and he so he what his job is is to do the kind of technical side in terms of um, placing the lines on the timeline so when I get a script essentially I get the event so what I need to say, what, what the audio description is for that particular piece. And then along with that, we get times. So we get, so let's say it's from 10.25 to 10.32. That's how long I've got. So I know how long I've got to say it. I've got the, you know, an amount of seconds to say it. And then what Josh will do is he will place it on the timeline at that time. So that then when we send it back, all the events are in the right place and then the mixers and the um, quality control will go through and mix it with the actual rest of the audio, you know, of the of the thing that we're working on so that all the volumes are right and it all sounds 
ex- excellent. Make, they make me sound good, basically. <laughs> um, so, so, and it, it, that's what I mean. It's it's part. There's so many people that are involved in it. You know, you you just hear my voice, but there's the writer. You know, on all the light, it was Liz Gutman, and she's an incredible writer. I was working with Eric Wickstrom, who um, directed it and was so supportive in terms of just wanting me to sound as good as I could be and be my best. And he sort of directed the tone that he wanted for my voice and the way that I would say certain things. Um, And so it's just this wonderful team of also lovely when you have a blind or visually impaired audio describer because it's disabled and non-disabled people collaborating together to create something that's going to you know be really meaningful and special to the end user so it's inclusion on a grand scale because it's not just inclusion in terms of we're making something for you it's i'm using um, and involving blind and visually impaired people at every stage of the process and I think that's really what's changing the landscape of audio description and making it advance and and really kind of promoting that idea of let's work together instead of let's just sort of you you benefit from our work you know you you blind people benefit from our sighted work you know it's it's really Mm. nice it just it's just a way of including people in in such a deeper way do you uh do you sit down of an evening you you know you sit down with your partner josh and you say Right, let's watch some telly then. And uh, hey, this uh, all the light we cannot see sounds quite good. Should we uh, put it on? <laughs> Does that happen? Are you watching the, the film back or have you had enough of it by the time you finished recording the audio description? I mean, it's not that I've had enough of the, the thing. I've had enough of my voice, <laughs> for sure. Um, I do find it very difficult to watch things back that I have worked on simply because I'm a perfectionist and I'm one of those people that will just listen back and be like, oh, why did I say it like that? You know, I'll just pick <laughs> holes in everything that I do. Um, so I do have to have that little degree of separation. Sometimes I can I can do it, um, but if usually if I'm watching for pleasure, I'm watching something because I have to just um, you know rely on the audio description myself I'm probably watching something that somebody else has audio described that <laughs> that would be ideal everyone's excited about artificial intelligence and they think that it's going to take over every job in the world and it seems voiceovers are uh, already uh, one of the ones where th- that this is coming after because we're already seeing projects like 11 labs for example that can clone a voice I could you know, you, you could take your voice and you could clone it and you could sell it off and, you know, do whatever you do with it. But, you know, there is a danger here that, that we will lose the the human aspect to this role and all the things you're talking about. Now, AI, and it's as good as it can be, you know, can't replace mm-hmm. that ability to connect in the way that you can with yeah. the dialogue and actually understand what's right and what's wrong and what needs to be fixed. AI can't do that. So, you know, What's your take? I mean, I think I know your answer to this because this is your job. So I'm not expecting you to say, ah, do you know, let the AI have a go. Um, I'm guessing it's not your, you're not overly excited about this. Do you know what? You know, and I take your point. People have asked me this and I always feel sort of, um, of course, uh, of course you're going to say it because you're an audio describer. But Honestly, I, I say this with all sincerity, that if AI, if I genuinely thought AI was going to do a better job than I could at audio describing, because I'm a user myself, I have a vested interest in that. So I would probably just say, do you know what, I'll find another job. You know, if I thought that this was going to be the thing that was going to change it for the better, then I would step aside. So it's not, it's genuinely not about the fact that I want this because it's my job. But I I do think there are lots of disadvantages to relying on AI because 
A, you don't have that connection um, to the material, of course. Also, I just think it really compromises the quality and it doesn't... I mean, I've talked to lots of people in the industry that say, actually, audio description, when you think about it in terms of how much it costs, particularly big filmmakers, it's tiny. You know, it really isn't that big of a, a cost. And so you're compromising the quality a lot for not a significant difference in cost. And I think in terms of a user, I would say that it it may it just doesn't make you feel that you matter. And I think to me, accessibility, good accessibility makes you feel that you're you matter, you're included, you deserve I always say, you know, you deserve a place on the sofa. And for me, using an AI voice is sort of like okay, you're invited and you're included, like come round and watch the TV with us. But actually there's no room on our plush luxury sofa here. You're just going to have to sit on the floor and just wing it because we, you know, I've been told that you should come, um, but I'm not actually going to make the effort to really make you feel welcome and have the same experience as everyone else. Because when you think about it, you know, these lots of filmmakers and, and, you know, documentary makers and whatever are making their shows look incredible. You know, you've got these amazing camera angles, obviously things that I can only imagine, but Mm. incredible detail on the screen. And I would say, take a bit of pride in your audio description. Why would you want to take something that you've poured all your love and energy into and then just slap a synthesized voice on top and go, oh, that'll do, you know, that'll do for you. We're going to make it amazing for everyone who can see it. But for those who can't, we're just going to give you the bare minimum. I just think that's... You know, it's it's insulting to blind people, but it's also not good for you because you're going to lose a big chunk of your audience that will want to enjoy your film. So it's it, everyone loses in that respect, I think. I, I want to just go back to all the light we cannot see for a second because I, I want to pick up on something that Shani Danda said recently. Shani Danda, for many who are unaware, is disabled and she is from the UK. And she was uh, pre- presenting a, a talk or speaking on a panel at AbilityNet's TechShare Pro last uh, couple of weeks ago. And she was talking about media representation. And she said that, you know, one of the things that we don't want to happen is that we only have disabled people on TV talking about disability. And I think that's a really powerful point. We we have to be careful. Uh, and I say we, I maybe mean the broadcasters have to be careful that when you invite a disabled person onto a show, it's not just because they're disabled all the time. Because uh, right. that can significantly limit the amount of time we get on air, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I've spent, this is particularly um, poignant, I think, for me, because I've spent my whole life being like, I don't just want to to talk about disability. And I think that is so often the case that whenever you get the call to be on something, it's because, you know, it's a disability story, so we need somebody who's disabled. And, and then you kind of feel like your identity is just boiled down to to your disability. And that's a shame. And I think the other side of that is that, like you say, when you hear, obviously, um, when you hear somebody who has a disability talking about, um, you know, issues affecting disability, it's important. But I think people do prick up their ears when it's somebody who doesn't necessarily have a vested interest, who's saying, this is really important. I am really passionate about this, because then it kind of normalises it to say, well, let's all talk about this. Let's not just sort of confine this issue to people who it directly affects. This should be important to everyone, because that's what good inclusion is all about. So the question is, are you interested in becoming an actor? 
I know you're a voice actor and you love doing that, but is that actually getting on screen something you'd be interested in? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I I used to love drama at school, um, and I mean, I've never I've never really gone down that path. But I I mean, I've, it would be great fun. I definitely love sort of performing and um, like you say, put, putting on different voices and all that kind of stuff. So I, I wouldn't say no. I'd give it a go. I think, um, but I've never I've never kind of put myself out there to to, to try yet. I suppose. <laughs> Well, you know, maybe that's the next thing. Maybe that's the next thing for Fern Maybe someone will be audio describing you in the future. Oh, my goodness. Can you, can you imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> Poor person. <laughs> uh, you're uh, obviously a, a very busy person doing all this wonderful stuff, um, but you're also uh, hosting on BBC as well. You've got your own show on World Service. Tell us about that. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm I'm producing um, for BBC World Service at the moment. Um, I produce a show called Pick of the World, um, and so basically, what that is is it's uh, an amalgamation of the top uh, news stories that have gone out on the BBC World Service, the ones that have um, been the most popular on social media, so the most most likes and the most responses. Um, and the, it's really interesting because you get a really broad range of different stories, um, and uh, you. You kind of get to delve into you just be in this bubble for a, a week or so of these very particular subjects and you get to sort of interview people and talk more about them um, and it's, it's so interesting to just do a deep delve on things that you wouldn't necessarily always think about but you know like for example last time um i was producing we, we had a story about sort of viking treasure um and we've had one about um sort of mental health so it, you know it's it, it really is a broad range of different things and it gets you to to really think outside the box and and learn and be educated about all different things that are going on in the world so it's it's nice in that it isn't just confined simply to disability i guess that's one of the things that i like about it well, exactly. Yeah, you can get a chance to get outside of that box for a minute or two, right? Because, you know, we don't always, like yeah. you say, we don't all want to talk about disability all the time. Um, now that's really <laughs> interesting. Uh, so, you know, I, I've got to say, and this ages me greatly, but I remember once getting a cassette tape. Yes, children, Google it if you don't know what they are. Um, <laughs> and it was, uh, it was a tape of the best of the world of service. So I think it's like an ah. early version of what you're doing today. Perhaps mm. so. Yes, the World Service Greatest Hits. <laughs> On cassette, uh, which yes, is appropriate I for mean, World Service in a way. you lucky guy. Do you still have yeah. it kicking around somewhere? I, I, I probably, it's it probably worth money. I should, yeah, I should hold on. I wish it was in vinyl. Yeah. That would make more sense for BBC. Uh, but yeah, very good. <laughs> uh, and also you host uh, In Touch, BBC uh, In Touch as well, which is still going. It's been going for years, that programme. It is, yes, yes. Still reporting um, and do some producing work on that from time to time. Um, yeah, always good fun. Always lovely to get out and about and talk to people this time last year i did a sort of santa's grotto um which was great because i got to meet santa um i got to decorate cookies i mean it was just like fern's <laughs> heaven essentially um <laughs> i was very much uh, in agreement to do that very quickly um and um yeah i got a few stories coming up so yeah always really enjoy connecting with other visually impaired people and hearing the amazing stories and things that people do you just it really kind of makes you think, well, I've got no excuse then, have I? <laughs> you know, if they can do it, why can't I? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, onwards and upwards, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you uh, again for what you do and for making uh, all the light we cannot see accessible to all of us and including yourself. So, you know, really great work on that. And uh, I really uh, can't wait to hear more of you on screen. It's just fantastic to hear other blind friends of mine and also just, just great people doing great things. So, yeah, just as great. So thanks again. And uh, thanks for coming back on Double Tap. Oh, thank you so much, Stephen. What a lovely way to end. I I very much appreciate you asking me on and it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you as always. Thanks so much to Fern. And if you want to listen to that interview again or catch up with any of our stories, don't forget you can find them on our website, doubletaponair.com. That's it from us today. A special episode of Double Tap takes over the weekend as we talk to Matthew Alcock about his recent tweeting experience that went rather badly. But he's here to explain himself and I think open up a really interesting conversation on the subject of blindness itself. It's a really deep and meaningful conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as our Double Tap special takes place uh, over the weekend. We'll be back, of course, on Monday with all the usual shenanigans. Sean and I back together, reading through your emails and everything else. Get in touch and keep in touch, uh, because uh, that's what we live for here at Double Tap, your contributions. Feedback at doubletaponair.com is our email address. 1877-803-4567 is the number to call and at Double Tap on social. Catch you next time. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.